0: So we're looking at the book of Isaiah. It's the first of the five major prophets. And the division of the Old Testament is really nice because we have the five books of Moses plus 12 books historical books. And the end of the Old Testament we have five books of the major prophets and then 12 books of the minor prophets, this cemetery, and in the middle there's the five poetic books. So Isaiah is the first one, it's the biggest prophecy. His name means Jehovah Saves. Uh, he prophesied in the days of four kings. We get to mention in the first chapter. So the first one is in the days of Uzziah, Jotham Ahaz and Hezekiah. Now Uzziah was a a faithful king. The next one, Jotham, he was also a faithful king, but the, in his days the people were wicked. The third one, Ahaz was a completely wicked king. and then comes Hezekiah who's another faithful king. So he reigned, he prophesied for about fifty years. some people say up to seventy years it depends how he calculated but it was, it was a long time he was a, he was a prophet in his days unfortunately as we heard the northern kingdom which is Samaria which is Ephraim which is Israel was captured by the king of uh, Assyria we're told that he has two sons one is mentioned in chapter 7 his name is Jeshub. His name means a remnant will come back. And then another son, is mentioned in chapter 8, who is the longest name, his name is Mahir Shalal Hashbaz, which means he shall be uh, hasty for spoil, which speaks of the judgment. His end was very harsh. He was a, he was a good prophet. But as we heard the persecution of the prophets, uh, he was sawn asunder. Some people say that King Manasseh killed him, like in this way, in this wicked way. And we get this mentioned in Hebrews 11, when he speaks of the cloud of witness, he mentions that some were sawn asunder. In his prophecy, it's quoted so many times in the New Testament fact is 20 out of the 27 books of the New Testament have a reference to Isaiah. 12 books make a direct quotation from Isaiah and his name is mentioned 21 times in the New Testament. So it's a very important book. Some say that Isaiah was also related to King Amaziah. He was uh, maybe because Isaiah, the son of Amos. Some say he is related to the prophet Amos, again because of his surname. That's not confirmed, but that's what some people suggest. The Lord Jesus is mentioned so many times in this prophecy, and we'll go through some of the quotations where there's reference to the Lord Jesus. The prophecy of Isaiah might seem... Obscure for some people, but as you th- as you read through it, you'll find that you know many of the verses that it's not as obscure as other prophets. For example, if we read chapter one, verse eighteen, there's another, it's a very uh, famous verse. It says, "Come now, let us reason together," saith Jehovah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white; they shall be as white as snow. Though they, they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. You get really famous verses also in chapter uh, 55. They're well-known verses. Verse 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Verse 6, Seek ye Jehovah while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto Jehovah, and he will have mercy upon him. Chapter 61, another well-known section. Begins with the Spirit of the Lord. Jehovah is upon me, because Jehovah hath anointed me to announce glad tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound so overall in the book you'll find many verses which you're familiar with but it needs to be read and studied the Lord Jesus is found in many sections of this Bible, we read of him as the branch, for example chapter 4 verse 2 it says in that day There shall be a sprout of Jehovah for beauty and glory. Another mention of him as the branch is in chapter 11. And there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse, and a branch out of his roots shall be fruitful. And the spirit of Jehovah shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of Jehovah. And his delight will be in the fear of Jehovah. We read of his birth, the the, the verse that Greg quoted in Matthew. So it's in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That's his birth from the Virgin Mary. Therefore, will the Lord himself give you a sign, behold, the Virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel. We read of his names in... Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace Uh, we read of his uh, him as the perfect servant in chapters 52 and 50 49 the one who has the ear to listen as the instructed we read of his death in chapter 53 the very well-known chapter so he's everywhere in this book now let's look at one of the very famous expressions in this book and that is the holy one of israel This phrase is mentioned only a handful of times in the rest of the book, in the rest of the the Bible, I mean. But in the book of Isaiah, it's mentioned 25 times. From chapter 1 to chapter 35, he is mentioned as the Holy One of Israel who saves, sorry, who rebukes. And he rebukes the people for their sin. And we get that first mention in chapter 1. In verse four, it says, "Our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doers, children that corrupt themselves. They have forsaken Jehovah; they have despised the Holy One of Israel." That's one example. Chapter five is another example. In verse twenty-four. Therefore, as a tongue of fire devoureth the stubble, and dry grass sinketh down in the flame, their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, for they have rejected the law of Jehovah of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Again, the Holy One of Israel rebukes. So that's the first section from chapter 1 to chapter 35. From chapter 36 to chapter 39, We get another mention of the Holy One of Israel. But in that section, he saves. Let's look at an example. Chapter 37, and verse 23. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted the voice? Against the Holy One of Israel hast thou lifted up thine eyes on high? So in this section, the Holy One of Israel saves. And that was in relation to Hezekiah and the letter that he received from the king of um, of Assyria. And that was the Lord intervening to, to save. The Holy One of Israel saves. From chapter 40 onwards to chapter 26, there's another mention of the Holy One of Israel. And in that section, the Holy One of Israel comforts and redeems. Let's look at a nice example. Chapter 41... Verse 14. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith Jehovah, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So he's the Redeemer. Chapter 43. Verse 3. It says, For I am Jehovah, thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. And then chapter same chapter but verse 14 thus saith Jehovah your Redeemer the Holy One of Israel and then so on there are more mentions so the first section chapter 1 to chapter 35 the Holy One of Israel rebukes from 36 to 39 he saves and then from 40 to 66 he comforts and redeems now let's look at the division of the of the book there are 66 chapters similar to the 66 books of the Bible. And if we divide them like the the Bible is, so the first 39 chapters are one section. And then the second section is 27 books, 27 chapters from chapter 40 to chapter 66. That's the basic division of the book this one represents the Old Testament and this one represents the New Testament and if we go to chapter 40 it starts off in a very similar manner to the New Testament so chapter 40 of Isaiah verse 1 begins with comfort ye, comfort ye my people saith your God if we go to Luke chapter 2 verse 25 And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, was just and pious, awaiting the consolation of Israel. So he was waiting for the consolation. And the first phrase is, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Chapter, uh, verse 3 of chapter 40 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of Jehovah, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Again, a reference Uh, referring to John the Baptist. So that's the easy way of dividing Isaiah. The next step is to divide it into chapter 1 to 35. We'll leave this one as it is, but we'll add 36, and then 37, 38, and 39. This section is the historical section of the book of Isaiah. In this section we will read of Hezekiah and he received two letters from two different kings, from the king of Assyria and from the king of Babylon. Three miracles happened in this section. 185,000 were slain by an angel. Hezekiah has 15 years added to his life. And the sun was moved back 10 degrees. So that's in this section. Now, to divide it to a smaller section, chapters 1 to 12. In these chapters we will find prophecies about Judah. We'll find the Lord rebuking his people. And what characterizes the first 12 chapters are visions. Visions. We get the first one in chapter 1, verse 1. This is the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. Chapter 2, verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos saw. Again, a vision. Chapter 6. In the year of the death of King Uzziah, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. So what characterizes the first 12 chapters? Visions. From chapter 13 to 27, there are burdens. Prophecies against nations which are around Israel. We go to chapter 13, verse 1. It says, the burden of Babylon. Chapter Chapter 15, the burden of Moab. That's in verse 1. Chapter 17, the burden of Damascus. Verse 1. Chapter 18, it's about Cush or Ethiopia. That's in chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. Chapter 19 and 20, it's against Egypt. Chapter 21, verse 1, the burden of the desert of the sea. Chapter 21, verse 11, the burden of Duma. Verse 13, the burden against Arabia. And then chapter 22, verse 1, the burden of the Valley of Vision. Chapter 23, the burden of fire. That's verse 1. And so on. So what characterizes these from chapter 13 to 27? Burdens. From chapter 28 to 35... These are characterized by the word woe. Let's have a look at chapter 28. The first word, woe to the crown of pride of the drunkards of Ephraim. And what's nice about this section is you get the word woe mentioned. It's mentioned six times in this section. You get one woe, and then it's... Before the second woe was introduced, we get a nice reference to one of the beautiful characteristics of the Lord. So let's have a look. So chapter 28 verse 1, woe to the crown of pride of the drunkards of Ephraim. Same chapter from verse 23 until the end of the chapter, we get a reference of the Lord who is the sower, Jehovah the sower, from chapter 23 down to chapter 29. That's the first characteristic. The second woe is mentioned in chapter 29, verse 1, and it says, Woe to Ariel. And then, down in verse 22, we get the second characteristic of the Lord. It says, Therefore, thus saith Jehovah who redeemed Abraham. Jehovah the Redeemer. That's the second characteristic. Chapter 30, that's the third woe. This chapter 1 Woe to the rebellious children, saith Jehovah. And then we get the another characteristic of the Lord, that's in verse 11 and 12 and 15. We get the mention of the Holy One of Israel mentioned three times, which is the most mentions of the Holy One of Israel in one chapter. That's the third characteristic. Chapter 31, verse 1, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. And then that's followed by a nice characteristic in chapter 32. Speaks of the Lord in his righteous kingdom. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. Chapter 32, verse 1. Chapter 33, verse 1. Again, another woe. Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou wast not spoiled. And then that's followed by a nice characteristic in, chap- in verse 17 of the same chapter. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. The king and his beauty. Chapter 34 another word, that's in verse 2 it says, for the wrath of Jehovah is against all the nations and that's followed in chapter 35 with a nice characteristic in verse 2, the second half of the verse it says they shall see the glory of Jehovah the excellency of our God, so that's the Lord in his, in his glorious King that's the third section the fourth section we had a look at and that's chapter 36 to 39 that's the historical section so now we've divided the first 39 chapters. The remaining 27 chapters can be divided into 3 sections of 9 chapters each and they're very easy to divide because at the end of so you have 9 chapters and at the end of the ninth chapter you have a phrase that's repeated twice So from 40 to 48. So at the end of chapter 48, verse 22, There is no peace, saith Jehovah unto the wicked. This verse is repeated again after 9 chapters. So chapter 57, verse 21, Again, There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. So this phrase divides the first nine chapters, comes after the first nine chapters, and after the second nine chapters. The first nine chapters speak of the nation Israel, the second nine chapters speak about the servant of Jehovah, and the last nine chapters speak about future glory in that middle section that's where we read about the Lord as the the perfect servant we read of him as the one who has the ears which are opened every day we read of him in chapter 53 so that's the middle section so that's that's the division of the of the book of Isaiah you can go down and divide them even to smaller portions And the smaller you divide each portion, the easier it is to understand and to read. It's like when you take a massive bite, it's hard to swallow. Just break it down into smaller smaller sections. Before I close, I'd like to look at one section in particular, put it under the microscope, and that's chapter 36 to 39, the historical section. Chapters 36 to 39 can be divided into three sections as we will see. Chapter 36, verse 1 Hezekiah receives a message from the king of Assyria. Chapter 38 verse 1 sorry, 39 verse 1 he receives a letter from the king of Babylon. So that's you can see that in verse 1. From thirty-eight, verse one, it says, "In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death," and that's like a letter from the King of Terror. King of Terror is is another name for death. So, thirty-six, a letter from the King of Assyria. Thirty-seven, a letter from the King of Terror. Thirty-nine, from the King of uh, of Babylon. In chapter 36, he deals with the letter from the king of Assyria by praying. We get that in chapter 37, verse 14. It says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of Jehovah, and spread it before Jehovah. And Hezekiah prayed to Jehovah. So that's how he deals with the first letter. He prays. The second letter from the king of Terah in chapter 38 and verse um, 2 it says, And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to Jehovah. That's how he deals with the second letter. He prays. But the third letter, which is from the king of Babylon, is not met with a prayer from Hezekiah, but met with joy, and he was recognized and he was proud and there was lack of prayer it says Hezekiah was glad in chapter 39 verse 2 of them and showed them the house of his precious things the silver and the gold and the spices and the fine oil and the house and all the house of his armor and the result is different the result in chapter 36 after he received the letter from the king of Assyria and after he prayed was he was saved And that's in chapter 37 and verse 21. It says, And Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith Jehovah the God of Israel. And then he tells him that he's saved. Chapter 38, after receiving the letter from the king of Terah and praying, he gets another message from Isaiah. In verse 5, he says, I have heard thy prayer, and I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add to thy days fifteen years. But there's a different outcome in chapter 39 when he receives the letter from the king of Babylon and he doesn't pray. He is given, and his seed is given as uh, captives to the king of Babylon. It says in verse 3, Then came the prophet Isaiah to king Hezekiah and said to him, What said these men, and from whence came they to thee? And then further down you'll see that the judgment that came upon him. So 36 to 39, three sections, three different treatments to, to danger, to, in, in response to the danger. And the lesson that we learn is prayer. When we put things before the Lord, He can save. He can save from the King of Terror. He can save from the King of Assyria. But when, when we're filled with pride in our hearts and we're not prayerful, then comes our fall. That's the end of my introduction to Isaiah. I hope you read it. It's very it's very beautiful. Break it down and you'll enjoy it even more.
1: I had a question about um, several times Isaiah mentions the day of the Lord, the day of Jehovah. Um, and many of the other prophets do as well. Joel, uh, Micah, a lot of them do mention the day of the Lord Um, what is that time period of the day of the Lord as as you read through the prophets first I'm going to give a a slight suggestion that it's at least two two layers Um, that in reading sometimes when the prophet speaks of the day of the Lord they're speaking about a day of judgment um, that will actually come about physically on the people of Israel or on the people of Judah, leading to the to the exile. They say things like, "In that day, Jehovah shall," and then some destruction, some um, some calamity that comes upon them. But it has a prophetic aspect as well, and that's sort of where my my question is. So one point, the point is there's two layers of this day of the Lord at least two Um, but then that prophetic one, what time period is that?
2: It's often said that the day of the Lord doesn't begin until the Lord is physically here again Um, I've suggested a couple of times in Bible studies during the course of the past year um, something different and no one's shot me down when you read the Old Testament prophets that speak of the day of the Lord, I cannot other than conclude that it includes at least part of the seven years of tribulation period. So it includes that and continues through the millennium all the way through to the end because one thing we forget about the millennium one thing the Germans forget. Friedensreich, reign of peace, is, is the German name for millennium. Um, the English name doesn't focus on the general character of the reign, but about the time period, the middle a middle thousand years. Um, but it's not just going to be a reign of peace. It's also going to be a reign of judgment where the Lord in reigning will swiftly judge any evil as soon as it pops up. So um, we, we forget sometimes that the millennium will be a time of his judgment happening um, to, to men living on earth, as well as the peace that's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's good. So from the tribulation, um, maybe not from the start, but some point in the tribulation to the end of the millennium is the day of the Lord. Yeah. No, I think that fits in Could, it couldn't be after the tribulation because the day of the Lord is a day of terror, a day of um, thick, darkness. Yeah, thick darkness exactly so um, it includes the judgments that come upon Israel in the tribulation um, and goes all the way to the end of the millennium and that fits in with its first meaning to the um, initial physical destruction that came upon both Israel and Judah in the exile so you've got in that chart the exile is a day of thick darkness and destruction um, and the tribulation as well is a, a similar day prophetically in the future.